Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Everybody, Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, good to see you, sir. Good to be seen. Good to be seen. I know our listeners can only hear us, but we get the opportunity to zoom it or whatever we're calling it these days uh, while we lay this down. So we've got college football playoff discussion on tap with Kurt Weiler from the Osceola. And then we've got scouting combine, NFL combine, the underwear Olympics coming up later this week. Keith, if you were going to give a percentage, this is the interesting thing about the combine, right? You've got three, four, five years of tape from these guys who've played. You've got scouts who've been at plenty of games. You've got separate pro days. You had the senior bowl and whatever other bowl games they have. And now you have this four-day underwear Olympics. So what percentage of their draft grade is going to equate to how they perform in Indianapolis this week? The the only thing that the projected first round, maybe even first two rounds – can do by participating in the combine is fall in the draft because they've been overhyped and somebody didn't have their information correct. And then you'll have four or five guys, usually a receiver or a cornerback that runs an unbelievable 40 that will jump up 50 spots just because speed is valued. And then maybe just maybe you got a big guy in our case, Brandon Fisk comes to mind that builds upon a, a, a bowl game or builds upon a senior bowl appearance and has the opportunity to move up as much as a day in the draft. So percentage, 12, 14, 16% of the entire draft gets affected by the combine. The other 80 plus is already known. My opinion. All right. All right. Well, Charles Davis, we could ask that question to him. He'll join us, uh, I don't know, whenever his schedule allows, whenever he can squeeze us in between other paychecks that he's earning across this country. The other 17 uh, usually, networks he works for. Sometime between the combine and the draft is when Charles makes his annual appearance, and I'm, I'm sure he's there this week. Uh, college football playoff fodder, Keith. It, I don't know why I'm surprised, and we'll talk about this more with Kurt, but we went all these years and everybody was hesitant to move shoot, from two – teams in the BCS just to a four-team playoff. And then it didn't take nearly as long to say, oh, we're going to move from the four-team to a 12-team. And now we haven't even played a 12-team when we're talking about a 14 or a 16-team. Here's my take on it. Sounds silly. But the powers that be, particularly the presidents, who always said we needed to keep this at an amateur level and we can't have these kids playing too many games. Now that they're being paid, Tommy, we can play as many games as we want to. That's what's changed. Yes, I agree that that's making it a little easier. Uh, the one thing that doesn't make sense, though, is, you know, especially with the SEC and the Big Ten fighting for more automatic berths in this expanded playoff. Well, once you get to two guaranteed berths from the SEC and the Big Ten, why are you playing the championship games in those leagues? Other than the fact that it's a big paycheck, which is why it won't necessarily go away, but it means absolutely nothing. My take on that, again, just my personal opinion, is, is that you're guaranteeing your, your quote-unquote number three team always gets in. 
because you're going to play the conference championship, the winner of the conference championship that gets the automatic. The other one's going to get in because they're usually in the SEC and the Big Ten, they're highly rated. So what you're only really guaranteeing is your number third team that didn't play in the championship game. You're making sure they get in. Other than that, I don't see the need for it. I haven't studied it. I haven't done the, what, what did we study in uh, high school, Tommy, the permutations and combinations? You know, we go from four teams and all the combinations and permutations to 12 teams and all that. I haven't studied that, but that's my first take on it. Is it combinations or computations? I can't remember. I don't remember. I can't spell either one of them, so it doesn't matter. Well, separate. yeah, exactly. Separate that point, though, does feel like if we're going to keep expanding the playoff, maybe the championship game. I mean, the SEC and the Big Ten could make a different argument because people actually care about that and watch that. But if you get to a 16-team playoff, do we need a Big 12 championship? Do we need an ACC championship anymore? Well, they generate television revenue, and, and the schools want the revenue, and the kids are getting play, uh, paid, quote-unquote. So uh, why, why would you go less? Well, that's the answer to, that college football has to everything. Why would you go less? Because we need more money, so let's do this. Let's do that. Let's, let's keep going. And by the way, will join I, us. Think, I think I'm echoing both of us. I'm not suggesting that that's the right thing to do. I'm just saying that is what is being done. I think that's the question related. I've been in favor of college football expansion. The question does become, though, like how much is too much and where, it, like on the basketball side, and we don't have time to talk about this, but they want to go to 96 or whatever. Like at some point that feels watered down to me. And I know they want to do it because coaches get hired and fired based on whether they made the tournament or not. So let's just give everybody a tournament ticket. Then you got to find another reason to hire or fire them. That has been a conversation that's been going on for a while. Look at that. Keith with the shortest answer ever because he knew that I had to say more front row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. And we'll open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to Kurt Weiler, our Osceola insider. Kurt, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure joining we look forward to this conversation, too. And before we get into some of the specifics involving FSU, because the combine unfolds later this week, I'm curious. There's been all this talk about the, the college football playoff, which apparently is going to expand before it's even expanded. And it's hard to really know the answer to this until you get into it. But as you try to play out in your mind what it's going to look like having good teams playing the weekend before Christmas and having more football, but balance with the reality that nine and three is going to constitute a good year in college football, potentially because you're in the playoff now. Is that, I guess, where, where are you at overall, Kurt, on the, on the expansion and just the idea that the new norm is going to be a lot different than what the old norm has been? Well, for however long Florida state is in the ACC, they, they still are for now. We'll see how long that lasts. We don't really know. This past year showed that expansion is a good thing for Florida state because what happened this past year can't happen again. Like it, there is no way a Florida state team nearly that good gets left out of a 12 team playoff with what I think it's at least for the time being five auto bids. I think the sec and big 10 are trying to push for long-term less than five auto bids, trying to get more of their teams in there. And and I understand why they're doing that, but also, I mean, it's, it, it, it almost came a year too late for Florida state. It's funny. 
remember at the start of the year, I remember talking to a few people, I was talking about, you know, I wasn't sure this Florida State team was four-team playoff good at the start of the year before the 2023 season, but I thought they were 12-team playoff good. So it's I almost I was, remember telling a few people, you know, feels like the 12-team playoffs a year too late. And it ended up being true, even though Florida State did everything they could, and some, some stuff outside of their control kept them out. Do, do you find it interesting that we, we've agreed to go to 12, and, and as Tom alluded to, we haven't even played any games yet, and now there's talk of going to 14 or 16. Why don't we go to 24? How about 36? Why don't we have 68 like they do in basketball? I don't envision how you could really go above 16. Just in terms of, I mean, if you go above 16, teams are playing more than four games in the playoffs on top of, what, 13 if you count 12 plus the conference championship game. I mean, they're theoretically starting next year, a team could play 17 games, which is a full NFL regular season. Like that's, I mean, it's crazy how much that's expanded. So as long as the regular season is as long as it is, and I don't really see that going anywhere, I don't think it goes beyond 16, but it is funny that just like, it'll never be satisfying enough. I mean, to me, 12 is fine because like, yes, there's the talks over like number 13, I have a problem with that. And to that, I say, if you're number 13, you shouldn't have had that third loss. You know, once once you're arguing teams that have more than two losses, to me, you're kind of losing the, well, we deserve to be in point because you had plenty of chances to to prove your worth and, and didn't do it enough, clearly. One of the things I hated about the old system was the fact that it was all subjective in nature, and yeah. ultimately that's what came back to burn FSU. So as I was excited about expansion because it meant at least you can control yeah. your – at least you know at the start of the year that no matter who sits in a committee room, if you win the conference, you're in, which is to your point, Kurt. But I'm not going to sit here and suggest that I feel any better that FSU goes unbeaten and loses in the ACC championship game by 10 points to whoever, that they're necessarily going to get in in a 12-team playoff with all this Big Ten and SEC lobby. I'm talking about right now while they're in the ACC. Oh, I think more often than not, it'll be a, a – five bit they'll be they have to have five conferences in it will be one from three different conferences and the other nine are from the big 10 and the sec there might be years where a non one of those non-two conferences gets in a second team but it is absolutely going to be sec big 10 dominated it's great for florida state that i mean it's hard to envision a, a world where the acc doesn't have one of the five best like conference teams where i mean and, and frankly because the top four there can't be more than one per conference you win the ACC more often than not, you're probably a top four seed. But the problem is to, like you said, I, I, I can't envision. I think last year drilled home. They're only going to do the bare minimum of respect they have to for the ACC, for the Big 12, for the group of five conferences. There will be no benefit of the doubt for, for, those, com- for those conferences whatsoever. All right, guys, we heard the report that uh, ESPN had been granted the extension and then we heard the report that the uh, chair of the CFP committee said, no, we haven't made the final decision yet. And then we've heard the report, oh, yes, we have. Uh, where are we? Does anybody really know? I, 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 no, I don't. I mean, in a way, I think it makes sense for the, the ESPN could probably make a lot of money by selling off some of those rights, you know, by owning all of them and not keeping all of them for themselves and maybe throw in some of the other networks a bone. I bet they could make a pretty penny off of that, but I don't think there's been final clarity, which is funny because I mean, we're, we're less than 12 months away from it happening. One of the good things, have you, have you actually looked at the calendar and where these games fall now? 
I don't have them like in my, I've definitely looked, I don't have them like memorized yet, you know? So the, the first round when you have four buys, but you still have yeah. four games. So you got five, 12 in those games. The whole this year, those are, those are Friday and Saturday, December 20th and 21st. So they're going head to head with the NFL, I would assume on the 21st, but basically we get Christmas on a Friday and a Saturday, you've got playoff games. Then the, the next round, when you get to quarterfinals, those are, I think it's one New Year's Eve and three on New Year's Day. Then the semifinals are actually on a Thursday and a Friday in January, which that's a win because it's driven me crazy that the championship game gets moved to a Monday night when people are trying to go to work the next day. That said, the championship game ultimately remains on a Monday night. Now, it'll be MLK Day, and if you guys would like to get a sponsor, take the Osceola and Front Row Knowles to Vegas for that weekend when there's NFL playoffs all weekend culminating with a Monday night college football championship game, I'm in. So let's, let's work on that. That Yeah. I, I totally in favor. You will get no argument from me whatsoever. The crazy part you didn't even mention. I don't know if they're moving signing period. The early signing period last year was this past year was December 20th through 22nd. So they could be going up against that too, which like they've always gone up against that with like, meaningless bowl games where like yes the team has to be there but uh, and, and the coach may not be in the hometown or in the town of the school on signing day but they're not having to coach a playoff game where a national title is theoretically on the line like so i mean that is like i wonder if they're moving the early signing period i don't know if those dates are locked in for for december yet i think well, they I are there's actually a, there's a lot of chatter about moving yeah. the signing day yeah. and i That's... know that uh, one of the recent reports would be to move it to the first week of december and still have the transfer portal uh, in the in what I can't even say the traditional because it hasn't been around long enough to be traditional, but the transfer portal where it is. So I would think reasonable minds would ultimately make that happen. But no, I don't think that's official in any way, shape, form, or fashion yet. I imagine the coaches would like that because that means that first week after like the conference championship games, they could lock down the high school class. That if that's like the first, if, it, if it's like December 8th or so, that'd be like a week after the conference championship games. And then those next couple weeks, they can prepare for a playoff game and work on those transfer guys like you talked about. Cause they don't really, their only window that applies to transfer guys, they don't have like a signing period. They just have to be in by the time classes like drop at end. So they, they have a more flexible window of when they can commit and, and enroll and all that. I think what Keith's talking about, though, they actually proposed the week leading up to the championship games, which when I saw oh. that, that that didn't make any sense either because no. now you're taking the 16 best teams in the however many conference championship games there are, and yeah. they got to prepare for a conference title game in class on Wednesday of that week. So it's just a disaster. But, you know, it is it is what it is. I, I was just you – know, what about the, the whole longstanding argument about devaluing the regular season and all that? I I've never bought into that completely. I'm just trying to – it's hard to process it all until you watch it play out. Uh, and you know, on the TV side, Keith, you mentioned the ESPN contract. I mean, there continues to be reports that the TV is not interested in the first-round 5-12 matchup, which could be FSU and Liberty, and the 6-11 game is, you know, not a lot better. But that's still a lot better than the New Orleans Bowl, which is, you know, South Alabama and Middle Tennessee or whatever it is, Kurt. So, I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that TV is not going to get on board with that. Oh, I, I'm sure TV will. And I think, frankly, I mean, I, I know I've listened to a few podcasts that have talked about bowls are going to like the, the non-playoff bowls are going to have to get creative. And that like there's a world where some of those bowls 
get clipped or things like that and we reduce the number or things happen because obviously if more are in the playoff, it leaves less for other bowl spots. So it does create an interesting situation uh, there for sure. Um, I had something I forget. I totally forget what you said. I had something, your first part of what you said triggered something I was going to say and I totally, I totally blanked on it now. Well, it'll come back. Keith, you look like you're going to jump in. I was just going to say, is there a world where you play on the 20th and the 21st and you lose and you still play in a later day bowl. I've always thought that that could be because. I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the thing, Keith, like the coaches and the players may not want to go if, if they're devastated. But on the other hand, like a bowl game used to be a reward and fun. And now when you're playing playoffs, it's not even that because you need to be buttoned up. It's a playoff game. And, and we know that a Wednesday afternoon between Christmas and New Year's bowl game between two teams you would never otherwise watch, now it draws every college basketball game save for like Duke and Carolina. So, I mean, I think a bowl game would try it. I haven't heard that talk yet, Keith. I'm not opposed, though. I can't see that working if I'm being because like I think the few parts I find it hard pressed especially with coaches if they're having to balance recruiting that they're in the playoff eliminated and then they're told oh yeah no you have to play another game that doesn't mean anything even though you were in the playoff and also I mean you want to test how many players can opt out I think that would test how many players can can opt out of a of a game because I mean they were in the playoff and then get told after oh yeah by the way there is another game like even though you're no longer playing for a national title I just I find it hard pressed that a lot of people, aren't, coaches or players, would sign up for that. And therefore, the I other say side, move, the bowl, move those bowl games to make a spring game and play uh, those yes. in May. And that that is absolutely a path that I could see some things happening. I mean, I think we're we're past the point where we should move the FCS games from the regular season to make those spring games. But yeah, I mean, there's a world where you even have FBS, FBS spring games in certain situations. And I'd be in favor of that too, in theory. Here on Front Row Knowles, we've been advocating for that since we started the show in 2013, Kurt, just so just so it's clear. I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, losing a playoff game and going to a bowl, there used to be a consolation game at the Final Four, right? And they don't play it anymore. And there's it's, yeah. that's probably why. You know, you didn't want to stick around after your season came to an end uh, to do that. I'm just curious. There's been it, – it is crazy to me that there – I don't know – the other the other irony is not the right word. It may be agitation on my part until Florida State lands in one of these conferences. But I hated the subjective nature of the four-team playoff for the reasons that folded last year. Um, and now you have the SEC and the big who are always going to be the beneficiaries of the subjectivity, and yet they want the guaranteed spots now too on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they want the chance to have, like, two auto bids for certain conferences. And I think they would love if the first four didn't have to be from different conferences, you know, because that's the thing. Like, this year, Florida State would have been guaranteed a top-four spot because, like, I think it was, like, two from the same conference couldn't have couldn't have both been in there. I forget exactly what it was. But either way, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a major problem. And, it, I mean, there have been many problems for the NCAA lately. We haven't even gotten into the Tennessee stuff. But definitely one is, I mean, those conferences are going to keep pushing for more. And the more those conferences get away with, the more it's going to bother everyone else and create a real rift for them that I'm not sure how you resolve it. We'll go to break. I mean, you brought up Tennessee. So that means that Florida State's uh, penalties go away, right? (laughs) 
Kurt, chew on that. We'll take a break, and then you can answer that question uh, when we come back on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you. All right, Kurt. Yeah, I actually had that thought too. Keith teased before the break. You know, Tennessee won its lawsuit. So, I mean, basically, we should all just file a lawsuit regarding anything against the NCAA because we're guaranteed to win. I mean, the NCAA is oh for the last four decades now, I think. But basically, Tennessee gets this injunction, which means there's no rules to the NIL, which we knew anyway. And so to Keith's point, uh, does that leave Florida State? Can they go back and say, hey, wait a minute. Just kidding that we agreed to that punishment. There's now no rules. I think the problem is they. I think if they hadn't agreed and it hadn't come to light, then yeah, I think they would have been in the clear. I don't think that will be retroactively applied. I mean, I've heard, I'm a little surprised it didn't happen or it hasn't happened already. I've heard more states were going to get involved with that specific lawsuit. I've heard Florida thrown around. I've heard a lot of SEC states, places where you'd imagine they have motivation for depenalizing de- those NIL violations. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if more things pop up or if more states hop on to that same suit. But it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, it, it feels like the NCAA is as on the brink as it has ever been. It's always been like it's only a matter of time, and it feels like that matter of time is getting even matter of time here. That's a good phrase, matter of time here. I'm, I, you need to trademark that. Don't let anybody else steal it. We also dropped depenalize into the same phrase there. So that was that was quite the uh, verbiage. Well, you can do that because, you know, you get on the plane, but then you deplane. So so we've got that. So is that never mind? I'm going to stop there. All right, Kurt, let's 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 go to uh, FSU specific combine this week. Which of these that Florida State has 12 guys invited. Who's going to open eyes the most out of those 12? Ooh, that's interesting. I mean. The guy who's impressed the most this season, who it feels like could really cement himself as a day two pick with a strong week there is Braden Fisk. I mean, he tore it up at the senior bowl, has real, I mean, parlayed a really it finished the season incredibly well and has parlayed that into a really strong process for him so far. I mean, I think Jared Verse is gonna turn heads. I think I mean Keon Coleman's apparently running. And if Keon's running here, I think that means uh things have been going well for him in the training aspect, and he might put up a number because I think frankly, I think the the question about him was that I've seen is kind of the speed. Does he have that breakaway speed that some of the other receivers, it's a great receiver class. Do so many of them have, I think Johnny, I mean, if Johnny puts up a good number, if Johnny catches balls at a high rate in receiver drills, I think it could be a good week for him. I mean, pretty much everybody has things to gain. I mean, even I wrote a story about it earlier this week. I mean, even Jordan Travis, who probably isn't going to do on field stuff, that medical exam there is a pretty big thing for him where if he's going to be a day three pick, he a clean bill of health or a promising bill of health, probably not clean yet, but like a recovery is going well. There's no long-term issues here would, would go a long way towards helping him. And that's something we probably, we won't see anything of because that's all behind the scenes. And guys, I agree. I think Brandon, you know, he has the best opportunity to advance himself. I think he did. There's, there's usually two steps to this. Number one, you turn heads at the senior bowl. And then in the combine, you confirm that what the turn head saw was actually real. Uh, he's got a great opportunity to that. I'm not saying he's a second, maybe even a third round pick, but he, he may move into that third round if he performs well. 
I, I think one, he might be in the third round right now. and could maybe even play his way into the second round. Possibly. I don't follow it that close. You may be right. You may be right. One, I don't know if he fits this category because it's, it's not a position that they're going to draft highly, so he maybe doesn't move up. I'm talking about Trey Benson at running back. But I really yeah. feel like Trey, he's going to interview well. They're going to look at his size and physique, and then they're going to pull out the stopwatch when he runs. And they're going to be like, this isn't possible to all be in one package. Now, the medical exam will play in for him, too, because he had a horrific knee injury, although I didn't see any signs of it really the last two years. No. But, again, I, I'm not saying he's going to move to a first-round pick because they just – I get why the, the NFL doesn't value running backs. But I am kind of curious. He, he he seems to be the guy that could, could really test well that, that people aren't talking about as much. It's not a great running back class. And remember last year, two running backs went in the, like the first 11. Bijan went high, and then Jameer Gibbs from Alabama went went early in that draft. There's not going to be a first-round running back this year, but Trey's in the conversation to be the first running back off the board. I think a good week this week could make him kind of potentially the first running back selected whenever that happens. So 12 guys, how many of those do you think are ultimately going to get drafted, Kurt? Because as we sit here right now, we always go as the FSU guys. Oh, yeah, they're all going to get picked. And the reality is if you got 12, you know, what is it, nine maybe? Now, they're going to sign as free agents. They're all going to go to camp. I have no doubt about that. But I don't know that the FSU is going to go 12 for 12 on them. Probably not 12 for 12. But I think, I mean, this week, it's not guys I mentioned, but this week is big four guys who are probably – either day three or undrafted free agent guys, guys like Fabian Lovett, guys like Bernardo Green and Jerry and Jones. I think if they impress this week, if they do well in interviews, if they they perform well on the field, all of that, I think could play their way into being day three in that number. I think so. They had 12 in 2015, and I think 11 got drafted. So, like, you could see the vast majority of them. I think a lot of that for those lower guys on the totem pole depends a lot on this week and then the the private stuff that they get set up out of it. I know there's a, a big uh, push to train for the combine. And then you, you still hear stories about folks that want to opt out and not participate in the combine. They are training for training camp. Have we gotten that specialized? That just seems really, really specific to me. Yeah, apparently Marvin Harrison Jr. is not running at all it probably at pro day or the combine it sounds like he's just working on football stuff and like i don't need to put up a good 40 time which when you're in his position it's nice to be able to do that but i think uh there are some things i think i saw a few like didn't robert sala this week say he's not going to the combine like that's kind of a growing thing of head coaches kind of aren't going to the combine which i find crazy but i still think there's a lot of value there i mean i hope you don't see more of that i I'm looking forward to this week watching how many so many guys with a vested interest for our readers. I mean, having a reason to watch the combine because haven't had a ton of it lately, but it is pretty, pretty fun to watch it all unfold. It's certainly good to have double digits invited that that's been a while. Should point out Akeem Dent's not one of them that was invited, yeah. but I mean, he's got a chance to make a roster too. Let's go back to Jordan. Uh, Obviously, Jordan's going to interview well and say all the right things. I feel like that's probably true for most of the quarterbacks there, though. Uh, most of them are leaders. I'm not saying all of them are going to give the best responses, but most of them are pretty good. But, Kurt, what do you think is the – I mean, is Jordan a guy that can carry a clipboard and be a practice squad guy or whatever for two or three years and work his way into being a starter in the league and be a 10-year guy? Or is or is his ceiling really at, at his size, you know, a couple years, cup of coffee, and then he's into coaching or moving on to the, what's next? I mean, I think someone like a Lamar Jackson, not to compare the two, 
but someone like Mark Jackson has shown, I mean, we're past the age, uh, past the, the age in football, the time in football where to stick around, you had to look, a, be a certain height, do certain things, fill in the blank. I think, I mean, I think he is a guy we've seen from his time at Florida state can be a valuable culture guy. I think, I mean, he was a backup for a while at Florida state. And I think, I mean, fit the role well enough. And I think is, is a, a smart enough football guy too, where I think, uh, could have value in that. I mean, I think if he ends up in a place where he's given that time, I think that could do wonders for him, especially coming off the injury. If he's if he's given a little time to uh, learn the playbook, things like that, I think he's a guy who could stick around for a while. It's hard to know with football. With the weird thing with with the NFL, there are certain traits that seem to like certain guys make good backups, you know, and they stick around for the long a long time as a backup just because for whatever reason. I don't kind of know what those traits are. I imagine it's. They're, they're content with their lot in life. They're not trying to challenge an established starter or things like that. But I think there's a world where, where Jordan could absolutely, at the very least, be a guy who fits that mold that sticks around for a while in some capacity. Well, I do think also, guys, what has happened is, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, you, you didn't value your backup quarterback. You, you, yep. you weren't paying them much, and you didn't value them much. But in today's NFL, with 17 games and your starters getting hurt and missing time and your backups being needed and you're finally paying them reasonable, um, there's a world where being a backup quarterback is not a bad lot in life, You to use your phrase, uh, Kirk. Um, and, and depending on temperament and that type of thing, I, don't, I can't imagine what other traits uh, Jordan Travis would need to fit that mold. Not to say he can't be a starter, not to say he doesn't want to be a starter. Nope. But we've seen him mature and grow and be everything I would think you'd want in your quarterback room. For sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, a lot. Not, most of those guys who end up in those backup roles, obviously they go in hoping to be starters and doesn't work out. It's about how they adjust. And so that's what it might come down to for Jordan, for sure, is, is how do you take to, if you don't land in a place that needs a starter that you may never be that or, or if it doesn't work out for you. This predates you a little bit, but, but Keith, can you imagine if, if Charlie Ward was, was coming out right now compared to when he came out after the 93 season? You know, that, that's the one thing we're going to be talking about for as long as we're walking around. Uh, Charlie was, was ahead of his time and um, he, he made the unbelievably in retrospect, it appears to be a brilliant decision, but I even thought it was a good decision at the time when he said, you know, 12 years in the NBA is going to be better than three or four years in the NFL. Uh, but you're right. If, he, if he'd have been 10 years later, uh, 15 years later, that, that's a really, really, really good question. I mean, we granted he he's certainly not the biggest guy but just from a height standpoint we talked about how diminutive he was and he's taller than jordan right now maybe only by an inch <laughs> i think he is anyway we'll we'll never know on the answer to that one kurt uh other sports real quick uh for our listeners sake we're recording on tuesday as fsu is playing baseball against usf but uh so discounting that kurt my my takeaway i've been to three of the six games so far it's a small sample size against not the best opponent opposition, but it feels like the lineup is deeper and the pitching is deeper. So let's start there. Is that a, is that a fair generic statement to start? Yes, very, very much. Uh, I think a fair, I mean, I remember on opening day uh, looking over at another meter, remember just saying, you know, 
they have balance in the lineup. They didn't have that last year. They were struggling to find lefties in that lineup. It was so righty heavy. And just, I mean, that was a real struggle for them with how other teams could pitch them. And this year, I mean, the balance is there. I think even last year through the struggles, you saw some promising signs in the lineup. The average shot up pretty nicely, even with, I think, a, a, a lineup that was not all the way there. And so I think that that has been a notable improvement. I think, I mean, bringing home a guy like Drew Farrow who's gotten off to a really nice start to his Florida State career. And then on the mound, I mean, it's nice for them to be able to have their best arms on the weekend. And I think, I mean, through two weeks, again, the competition has been the competition. You you can't help that. But, I mean, Leiter and Cam Leiter and Jamie Arnold have both looked, I mean, like about the best one-two punch in the ACC. I mean, they've been very good. It feels like their stuff has been good enough that it'll be tough no matter who they're playing as long as they're throwing strikes. I mean, Jamie's still in 11, 11 innings, I think, hasn't allowed an earned run. I mean, it's – and the, the staff is deeper, I think, too. I mean, I think there will be some questions about the bullpen. I think some guys will have to grow into bigger roles than maybe they're ready for right now. The walks have been a bit of a problem, but no doubt the 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 roster, even before we've seen them play one of the more challenging series is – the, the roster is a good bit improved. And I think the early returns on Michael Posey, the new pitching coach are very strong as well. I was going to say it, it, it I never, re, I've never remember in since FSU joined the ACC where they had uh, the ACC pitcher of the week in yep. the first two weeks of the season, uh, particularly with two different guys. I mean, at, at face value, that's got to be remarkable. Well, and, and Drew Farreau could have been the ACC Player of the Week this week. Well, yes. I don't want to split hairs. Carol, the Carolina representative had a good week, too, but Drew was, Drew was pretty big. Kurt, a couple more minutes, we'll let you go. Softball, 4-1 uh, their first weekend, had a rough outing in Clearwater, went 6-0 and in their in their third weekend. And then their, their trip to Oregon this weekend got canceled due to travel or weather or what have you. And it's really odd that you would have a break in the sport of softball or baseball from February 27th until March 8th. And part of me wants to say that given that their issue is they need to develop pitching and put them in the game situations, that they'd be better served playing. But there's another part of me that says, I don't know, maybe this break is really what Lonnie needs to fine tune things. What what do you think? of? I mean, it is what it is. You're going to have the break. You might as well make the most of it. I'm not sure they're, they're trying not to have a break. I think Travis Wilson, assistant coach, had a tweet out trying to find games for this weekend. Okay, okay. Well, that yeah, answers I think the question. He put, out, he put out a tweet. I think, yeah, you're right. I think you could find positives, but I think especially with their situation, I would agree that the negatives of a week off of missing out on those games, especially, I mean, they were supposed to play Oregon and Washington out there in Oregon. I mean, that would have been some more real tough tests for their pitchers of like, uh, let's throw you in the deep end a few more times until you can finally swim. And uh, so, yeah, they're, they're trying to find games, I think, somewhere around the state of Florida, offering to pay people to come to Tallahassee on short notice. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if anything comes of that, because I agree that, that they could stand to have more. I was trying to go glasses half full, but what you're saying is really Florida State perceives it as half empty, too, so they got to find some it games. It feels like it. Yes, it feels, it feels like they, they do. All right, Kurt, what you uh, working on on the Osceola, and then we'll let you uh, get going. I mean, this week is a lot of combine stuff. I have a, a Drew Ferro story coming this week. I caught up with uh, his dad, Adam, who also played at Florida State, about what it's been like seeing a strong start to his son's career following his footsteps and uh, a bunch of other stuff, recruiting stuff always, and a bunch of stuff going on over there. All right, good deal. We appreciate it. Kurt Weiler, Osceola Insider. Come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, a few minutes for Keith and I to finish up. Appreciate Kurt Weiler joining us as always. Been a good start to the baseball season again we're recording uh while the usf game is going on so if it didn't go well don't blame me for the comment i just made and but i, I always appreciate you, we, kurt's insight we talked a little bit about the softball and, and i for one i'm not really concerned about the softball team I, given the fact that that lonnie's thought process is i'd rather play 10 top 10 teams in the first te- 15 games and be eight and seven you know, a third of the way through the season than, than play teams that we're expected to win and be 14 and one. I mean, th- this is just kind of falling right into what she wants to do to build her squad. I hate that they're not playing this weekend. I, I don't know if they'll be able to make, do some makeup games or whatever, but um, I, I'm not concerned about it at all. I, you and I haven't talked about it. This is the first time I've brought it up, but uh, it doesn't bother me at all that they drop some games in Clearwater. Maybe it's because when you look at her year by year record, it would appear that she knows how to coach the sport of softball, Keith. So we shouldn't uh, push any panic buttons right now. When when you when you look at where she's been over the years, including the 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 finals two of the last three years and champions five years ago. I mean, she this is not her first time out there. She she's 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 been in that little circle before in one shape, form, fashion. We talked about the uh, the combine with Kurt. After the combine, uh, Florida State put some dates on the calendar. Spring practice is going to start uh, after spring break. It was always curious to me, Keith. You and I have talked about this before. This is how good Florida State was during the dynasty days. They would do a week of spring practice, and then all the coaches, including Bobby, would go on a cruise for a week and just take a break, send the kids on spring break, do what you want. And then they'd come back and resume spring practice and FSU would still win double digit games and finish top four in the country. That, that, that was always surprising to me because from my experience, you know, when we practiced, uh, you know, 17 hours a day and 112 degree heat um, Uphill. in the spring, um, you know, it, 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 we never had the opportunity. We were on the quarter system back then. So we never had the opportunity to have spring uh, break, um, you know, impact the spring practice. Uh, but yeah, that was always confusing to me. Always didn't, never made sense to me. Now we're now we're back at least to a semblance of order. And I think we all know nowadays when these kids train literally 24-7, 365, that a football player's spring break, if he's serious about making an impression on the coaching staff, will be a little different than uh, the average college kid's spring break the week before returning to school. Without question, without question. So and then uh, so that gets started uh, mid mid March. I don't have the calendar in front of me. And then and then Florida State will have Pro Day. Pro Day feels like sort of the makeup exam or, or the retake of the exam, Keith. Either either you weren't invited to the exam, so you weren't in Indianapolis for the combine, or you didn't study quite hard enough and didn't get the grade you wanted. So you're going to really study for the next month, and you're going to test again in Tallahassee. In one sense, it doesn't make sense uh, from the standpoint that. You know, in years in which Florida State had a, a, a more than a couple of handfuls of kids that wanted to try to get to the NFL and only had three or four or five, if that many, invited to the Combine. Uh, this year, you got 12 invited to the Combine. How many extra bodies, you know, are you really adding um, other than those 12? 
Um, certainly, anytime you get an opportunity to test for for the scouts, um, that's a that's better than no opportunity. But yeah, it 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 may need to be rethought a little bit. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how it works out. We uh, are finishing up. Uh, we recorded on Tuesday, and so uh, no basketball discussion here uh, as Florida State was playing NC State late last night. We will uh, talk a little women's hoops next week. I'll see if I can uh, track down Aria Masudi. The women will be going to the ACC tournament and to the NCAA tournament again, which uh, seems to be automatic for uh, what Sue started and Brooke is now uh, continuing. But uh, the weather is warming up, and, and Keith, I'm definitely getting old because I'm bemoaning the fact that it used to be the six best weeks of the year for weather, like February 15th to April 1st, and I feel like it's down to like 10 days now. Might have been last weekend and this weekend, and then it's too hot again. That's that's where I am. Well, it has certainly been nice of late, uh, so we'll just not worry about when it gets too hot and talk about it and complain about it if and when it does. How about that? Sounds like a plan. That's what we do. All right, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.